Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to read the second chapter of Colossians. Now, at the end of First Colossians, Paul spoke of his ministry and how <clears throat> his ministry is to proclaim Jesus to the Gentiles and to try, basically, to uh, save every person, make them complete in Christ, right? So that's his ministry to the Gentiles, is to um, explain Christ to them. So here we are in the first of chapter 2. Now I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those believers at Laodicea. Now I'm going to say Laodicea. I don't know how it's pronounced. That's kind of how it looks to me. Um, but anyway, it is a town that is nearby. On the, They flow along like the same river and it's nearby. Okay, so for you and for those believers at Laodicea, and for all who, like yourselves, have never seen me face to face. For my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love. Again, God's love so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding, the joy of salvation, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purposes of God. I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments. Now, He's going to get into some false teaching and false teachers here. And that is something that he's trying to help them, you know, uh, what? Help them persevere against. For even though I am absent from you in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, delighted to see your good discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front, and to see the stability of your faith in Christ, your steadfast reliance on Him, and your unwavering confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. Therefore, as you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in union with Him, reflecting His character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin. So, as we have received the Lord, we should walk in the Lord, following Him, being in His um, character, and acting as He would, living lives that lead others away from sin. Having been deeply rooted in Him, and now being continually built up in Him, and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing in it with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the tradition and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. For in Him all the fullness of deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. And in him you have been made complete, achieving spiritual stature through Christ. 
and he is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but by the spiritual circumcision of Christ, in the stripping off of the body of the flesh, the sinful carnal nature. Having been buried with him in baptism, and raised with him to a new life, through your faith in the working of God, as displayed when he raised Christ from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, the, you know, your worldliness, manner of life, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands which were enforced against us and which were hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. So, this is kind of a long statement, um, but Paul wants to make sure that they know not to be fooled by people who are, you know, speaking, one, the world's philosophy, and two, a lot of empty kind of deceptive stuff where they're just, it's a lot of pseudo-intellectual babble, and there is that, and that goes on even today where people talk and they sound like they're being intelligent, but they're really just babbling on about a lot of nonsense or things that don't matter. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, because they're, it's a lot of uh, empty deception according to the tradition of mere men, that's what he says, following the elementary principles of this world rather than following Christ. So, we have to watch out for that. There are people who, of course, will try to dissuade you or persuade you based on just earthly elementary principles of things that are not in line with, you know, spiritual things and with God's, God's wisdom and will. And then he goes on to express, you know, in him, in Christ, we've been made complete, you know, how we are circumcised spiritually we are spiritually made to be a child of god and to be one of the one of god's you know citizens of heaven and that uh, we were saved that jesus died for us and we were saved from our sins even when we were dead in our sins we were basically an enemy of god we were living in our worldliness and and just doing whatever we wanted we were not even thinking of God, maybe, but Christ died for us anyway to give us the opportunity that we could come to him and be freely forgiven of our sins and have that that debt, that debt of sin canceled so that we do not have to pay the price of that. And this is a constant, this is again a constant continual thing that we can we can be forgiven and continue every day, you know. Um, and he also mentions that 
Jesus has disarmed, the rulers and authorities that were in power, and basically that is referencing Satan and the and his cohort, the demons, they were, before Jesus came, they were more in power. They were the authorities because Adam had, Adam and Eve had, and I'm going to say they knowingly did it, but in a way also they were deceived, so maybe it was kind of mistakenly, but in, in regard, anyway, when they basically chose to believe Satan over believing God, I mean, that was their true sin. They, they believed Satan instead of God, and so they partook, you know, of the apple. So they, whatever it was, and whatever that was, doesn't really matter what it was. The fact of the matter is, they chose to believe Satan over God when he said, you will surely not die. And what God had meant was they would spiritually die and they chose not to believe that, they chose to believe Satan. So they, in essence, gave authority and power to Satan and his demons. So, But Jesus took that power away. He broke that power, he took that away from them through the cross. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He disarmed them and took away their power through the cross. So they do not have that power anymore. Basically, Jesus restored us to be able to be children of God again and be, you know, have exercised that authority and um, power and will over our lives so we can choose, you know, to follow God, so we can choose to be a child of God instead of, you know, automatically being born as a child of Satan, etc., etc., you know, and being under his rule and authority now, we are able, again, to live as God wanted. We're free to make our choice to follow God or not to follow God. And we need to make the right one. We see what happens with Adam and Eve when they chose to make the wrong one. They, you know, they really hurt themselves and condemn themselves to a much different life. A very hard road. Whereas, had they believed God and stayed with God and continued to believe God, they would have not had that happen to them. They would not have had that hard road to go down. So, so you know, Paul is just reminding them or telling them. I, I'm not sure what they know at this point, but it sounds like he's, you know, he's telling them this, and maybe it's a reminder, but maybe it's, uh, maybe it's what they already know. Maybe he's just explaining and going further and making sure they know. So that uh, Jesus, anyway, triumphed over Satan and the evil ones, the powers and authorities, through the cross. Okay, so he's making sure they know and understand that. So then he continues on. Therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food and drink or in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Now we get hung up. I'm just going to say this. We get hung up on these things like they're important. Wait, wait, just listen to what Paul says. Hold on. 
let's, let's let me continue. Such things are only a shadow of what is to come, and they have only symbolic value. But the substance, the reality of what is foreshadowed, belongs to Christ. Okay, so let no one defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ, and your salvation by insisting on mock humility and the worship of angels, going into detail about visions. Okay, he's going off into something else here now. But let's just stop here. Let's hold on. <clears throat> so, you know, don't let no one judge you in regard to food or drink or in, the, in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Such things are only a shadow of what is to come. And they have only symbolic value. The substance of things, the real things that matters, belongs to Christ. The reality of what's real is in Jesus. And that's the important thing. Don't let anyone defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ, and your salvation. You know. Um. Anyway, backing up again, we get hung up on things like this, um, such as festivals and new moons and Sabbaths. Maybe not new moons. Nowadays, I don't think new moon is this bigger deal. But uh, sometimes a holiday, some people will be dead set against a holiday. They say it's bad for whatever reason. Some people feel that way about Christmas. Some people may, I, I don't know of anybody that feels that way about Easter, so I'm not going to talk about Easter. I don't know of anybody that feels that way. They may feel it has been co-opted by the certain bunny. But, I don't know of anybody that, you know, puts Easter down in a way that some people put down Christmas. And then, um, the Sabbath day. Um... The observance of the Saturday, uh, Sabbath day or the Lord's day even. You know, we should not have this kind of mindset where we're being judgmental and condemning people over the observance of these things. If you observe Halloween, for instance, some people will say that is an evil holiday and you shouldn't observe it. I think... The way we did Halloween as I was a kid, you know, and we just dressed up and we were funny and we just went around and collected some candy. There was no big thing to it. There was nothing of any, like Paul would say, there's nothing of any uh, substance to it. It's just a, it's just a little, you know, a little fun thing, a little nothing. It's uh doesn't mean anything. Um, there's no harm in that. There's, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, now... Some people feel very strongly that because it is somehow associated with um, other things and Satan, I mean, people have said a lot of different things, and I'm not going to get into all that. I don't, I don't remember all the history of it and all that because it's not that important. Nowadays, we look at it as just a little holiday, a little bit of fun for the kids. And when you look at it as something like that, it's, it's so fun. It's just perfectly, it's, it's, it's fine. It doesn't hurt anything. It's, you know, you teach them, hey, this is something we do. It's a little fun. It's kind of like if you have a little a little costume party and you have your friends come over and, and everybody dresses up and maybe you, you know, play little games and have fun. You know, the, the, there are plenty of good things like that that you can do. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so there's nothing wrong with doing those things. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, um, 
observing the Sabbath or the Lord's Day. There's nothing wrong with, well, actually, there's nothing wrong with not. If you do not follow the Sabbath day, because I'm not Jewish, I do not follow the Sabbath day. Now, I do, um, I guess I do follow the Lord's day. I follow our, our Christian practice of going to church on Sunday, and I do that. But there are people, and, and there are times that you could have a job, or you could have something, and you can't, you can't go or be there on Sunday. That doesn't... It's nothing to condemn yourself over, and you shouldn't be condemned by others over that. Um, you may have a job where, for some reason, you need to work Saturday and Sunday, and so you have to um, go to church on other days of the week or, or do things yourself, like it right now, because churches are not having as many services. Maybe you have to do more stuff at home on your own. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to be judgmental or or condemning about there. Um, we're just talking about each of us have different situations, different circumstances we live in and that, that we um, have in, in our lives that we have to take care of. So there's nothing wrong with that. We shouldn't be, you know, judging. And he says, therefore, let no one judge you in regard to these things. Well, that would apply to this as well. Don't let people judge you about these things and don't judge others. I would say flip that around and say don't judge others. You it's not our it's not our job. <laughs> it's that's you know that's up to God. And um we weren't intended to be, you know, follow these strict guidelines. That was part of the reason Jesus did not give all these strict you remember in the Old Testament, God handed down the law he wanted them to follow. He gave them all the law, the guidelines, everything. He wanted them to follow that. And Jesus came and said, you know, I'm, I'm fulfilling that, I'm completing that, and here's what I want you to follow. And he gave us two things. Love God and love each other. I'm just going to be very, very simple-minded about it. And he said, that's it. So what we do and what we follow should be that. Love God and love each other. Now, if you love God, you're going to want to go to church, and you'll go to church when you can. Of course you will. So it's not, you don't need a commandment to tell you to go. That's silly. Um, if you love God, you will go when you can go. And you'll know when you can't go, like if you just physically are unable or if you you know, you, you know, you have a job that doesn't allow you to go that day because you've got to do that job. Maybe you're an EMT or a policeman or something like that. And we want Christians in those jobs. We don't, you know, we don't want to say, well, Christians can't work on Sunday ever. They have to, you know, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's not how it's intended to be, you know. So I'm just saying, you know, kind of watch out for that legality and that false teaching of, we must follow this, you know, strict guideline, da 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 because you'll notice Jesus never said that. And you'll notice that Paul never says that. Matter of fact, I don't see where any of the apostles ever say things like that because they understand and understood that the law has been fulfilled and we're not living under the law and following the law in these strict ways. And we're not to be like the Pharisees, who were the leaders religious leaders of the Jews were Jesus you know, was always arguing with them 
I, I won't even say he was arguing with them, really. He was just telling them the way they should be. So, because they were being, they were using these little things in the law to condemn people, and that wasn't the idea. All right, I've gotten off on a tangent. Let's get back to it. So, verse 16, Therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food and drink, or in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Such things are only a shadow of what is to come, and they have only symbolic value. But the substance, the reality, belongs to Christ. Let no one defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ, and your salvation by insisting on mock humility like the Pharisees did, where they pretended to be humble, and the worship of angels. Now, this is different. We haven't seen this in other things, but in the worship of angels, going into detail about visions he claims he has seen to justify his authority, puffed up in conceit by his unspiritual mind, and not holding fast to the head of the body, Jesus Christ, from whom the entire body supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that can only come from God. So here we're talking about not worshiping angels. Do not believe and follow these people who are puffed up, believing in their own authority because they claim they have seen angels and that they have gotten some information from angels. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking of some specific people that need to be aware of the fact that if they are following someone who claims to have new information from angels and authority from angels and worship angels, I warn you that these people are false. They are deceived if they truly believe it or they are simply false. Either way, they are truly false because they are not correct. We are not to worship angels or follow angels, and angels cannot deliver us any new word from God. Yes, an angel could bring you a message from God. It has happened in the past, but it will not be anything that contradicts the word of God. It will not be anything that detracts from the Lord. And really, I, I don't see that happening today. We have God's word. And that is not what has been going on, and I don't believe that's what's going on in our current day and age. I believe we have God's Word, and this is what we are. This is how we are to learn what God wants of us. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were still living in the world, do you submit to rules and regulations such as do not handle this, do not taste that, do not even touch, whatever. These things all perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. So in other words, if you're in Christ, if you've already got this, this freedom and you know better, why would you? <laughs> why would you allow yourself to be judged and submitted to these, these strict, weird Rules which are not godly and not not from God at this point in time. You know, they're not, um, we're not supposed to follow, we don't need to follow the old food guidelines or any of those things. 
Now, we do, for safety's sake, need to follow proper handling of food. We're not saying that you shouldn't do that. But it's okay. As long as you cook your food properly, it's okay to have your pork and your chicken and, and your seafood and stuff. Okay? But anyway, they had false teachers who were trying to teach them that they shouldn't have these things or do these things. So, he's just saying, why would you submit yourself to these commandments and teachings of men? These are, these are not wrong, right. These are wrong. So, these practices indeed have the appearance that popularly passes as that of wisdom in self-made religion and mock humility and severe treatment of the body, asceticism, but are of no value against sinful indulgence because they do not honor God. And it's because they are not, there's no, what, there's no spiritual, there's no, there's nothing to these. These are just kind of a physical, do not do this, don't do that, you know, do not handle this, do not eat that. There's no, there's nothing to that that is really of, uh, you know, it's, it's just a practice. It's, a, it's an on-the-surface type of thing. On the surface, it may look like, especially to the Jews back then, it may look like you're being pious and religious and, you know, being what you should be. But it's not truly being spiritual. It's not truly uh, worshiping God and following God in the correct way. And it's of no value against sinful indulgence. Simply put, it you don't learn anything from it that will that will help you uh, help keep you from sinning and help keep you following God. So it does not honor God, and he says because they do not honor God. So that is the end of Colossians chapter two. So. Okay, my screen is trying to go blank. I apologize. But anyway, that is the end of Colossians 2. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, remember to stay safe. And remember that God loves you.